Um, can I ask a question with regards to continuity? Are we going to make a uh, reference to the names of the operations, or are we just going to say we're just going to continue as we, as we have been, sort of ad hoc? The only operation name that you've been given was Operation Alice. Cool. Fine. Um, so you might have to refer to it, you know, the time in Birmingham or... Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. In London, you know, etc. All right. Yeah, no, that's fine. I just wanted to make sure continuity-wise it made sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could you could just make up operation names between yourselves, I guess, but... <laughs> well, we've got Operation Alice and Operation Parsnip. Operation Dog Soldier <laughs> is also was, working title. It was title. Parsnip's Panic. Pa- it was Parsnip's Panic. Operation Parsnip's, pa- Parsnip's, oh, Parsnip's Panic. What a guy. I wonder what he's doing after the time jump. Do we still have his number? Can we just uh, give him a call? I wonder. I think, I he, I think wonder. he changed that number immediately. Especially <laughs> <laughs> so since you kept giving it out to people. Ah, it's fine. He loved it. Hey guys, Rich here just popping in to say... This episode is split from the actual beginning of Season 5. It's more like a supplemental episode. With such a large gap and a lot of stuff to go over in the intervening 19 years, releasing it all at once would have been like a mammoth ep. This splits them up quite nicely. Please do listen to this episode as it has a lot of pertinent information. Uh, And when you're done, you can jump right into the start of the next operation, since you're so desperate for more Pisces content. Uh, Okay, thanks. Love you, bye. So it's been a um, it's been a busy time at P- Pisces HQ down in the in the in the podcast mines. So we are uh, getting ready to launch the podcast in a couple of days. And dear listener, you might be wondering what the hell do they have <laughs> like for thirty episodes before they launch to launch the podcast? Um, that's a secret handler secret that you'll never know. We are highly unorganised. <laughs> Therefore, we are. We decided to be highly organised. Anyone who's made it this far knows this already, so it's fine. Well, yeah, I guess so. So it's been um, it's been a few it's been a few weeks since we played, but it's also been a few years, uh, really. Um, in fact, nineteen years is a long old time for your characters. Um, you leave Hull. You leave behind Mike Pellerin's house and travel back to your respective homes and we'll uh, we'll go over what happens in the intervening years but to begin with um, why don't we try and have a little think try to cast our minds back uh, to what's happened so far well I suppose we start back in 1995 1995 1995 where both of the agents first met um, Nero off the back of a a bad operation that went wrong and Gonzo off of um, well coming close to some interesting content online Um, on the boards yeah never disclosed yep never disclosed and then we were dis- asked to investigate whether the unnatural was involved in some murders in Yorkshire. Is that, that's right, isn't it, Ed? Yep, that is correct. You're doing a, jo- a good job. I was going to jump in, but I was like, you're, you're doing a good job. Um, yeah. <laughs> then, after that, we went up to the dig site where we were investigating, asked to look into an object um, that has been found at a dig site around some gruesome murders. Yeah, we came across a friendly Kim Granger, didn't we? Oh, Kim Granger. Yeah, so Kim Granger was in possession 
of actually before that we had some incredible accent play which <laughs> never came back again uh once we realized that we could do accents uh yeah king granger had we i mean i'm you know i think we're all involved in the awful accents right mm-hmm. yeah no. um my accent works quite good actually <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Kim Granger had uh, uh, a tablet, a wooden tablet with some strange writing on, and it was the language that Gonzo had been investigating on the boards. Uh, yep. So after that, we we went and bonded with Kim. You know, had a nice time, and then back to her house to stay, and she disappeared to the office after trying to wake Gonzo and convince him to come along. Gonzo, you know, saw better, stayed behind, and uh, Kim left in the morning when uh, they went to investigate. All they found was blood splattered in the office. And then uh, we were we called in and went our separate ways. Yeah, you went back to an RAF base um, and you were told to hand over the artifact and then you were kind of sent, sent home. That was your first foray. And then a couple of months passed and you were summoned once again uh, to London where you were briefed by uh, someone called Agent Marcus about a, a missing person and documenting all of the strange things in her flat as there was hundreds of items, thousands of items stuck to her, stuck to her walls. Yeah, um, and they were some proper fucked up things. <laughs> So after some uh, time cataloguing and investigating, we started to get, discover the strange items on the walls and even stranger residents in the building. Um, items included things from the future, which at first we were quite confused. We thought maybe it was a misprint. Things from the past, our past, from our time in Yorkshire. And also, quite early on, we came across uh, this strange symbol which, um, yeah, had our head scratching. The investigation led us to the top floor night, which turned into a bizarre smoking room um, and had a bloke in there called um, Mark... Mark Roark. Mark Roark, yes. And we didn't ask him a bean about the operation. No, no. We did ask him about linseed oil, and then we were very intrigued yeah. about linseed you oil for a him, long time. You talked, to him for like, you talked to him for a couple of minutes, and then you just went, okay, I'm just going to go sit down over here. And just, <laughs> just, didn't, just didn't talk to him. <laughs> so uh, he, he squirreled off and back, back to the back room, and we were like, okay, right, let's have a look around. We then discover two books. One, like a child's book. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Something like Marianne Goes to the Ball. Maud Goes to the Masked Ball. Maud Goes to the Masked Ball. And then another one, we find a copy of The King in Yellow, but the title's in French. And... um, Jean. The front cover of that is the same uh, image as the symbol that we find in Abigail Wright's room on the wall. A yellow symbol, a yellow sign. So we travel around the the night rooms, as we called them. Can't can't escape. See some really fucked up shit. Um, we come across uh, someone from the future, whose plane ticket is on the wall, 
um, we come across... Called, called himself Michael Whitwer. Yeah. Uh, he said he was an, an agent of MI5. We come across some... Uh, Nero comes across... Uh, agent Gonzo, sorry, comes across some a picture uh, with his name at the bottom. Um, My real name. Yeah, it was, real it, name. Was several, it was several people holding bottles, uh, oddly shaped bottles. And there was... Um, Several names, including Emmett Mosby, J.C. Linz, uh, and at the bottom there was just a picture of a bottle, mm. and it had Agent Gonzo's real name on it. Yeah, um, ma- mannequins, automatons, masked people with shotguns, uh, yeah. a mannequin ball, a small clockwork child um, on, a, on a rolling ball came up to you and gave you an invitation addressed to E.N.F. De Craig. Uh, it gave you an invitation to come to the ball. So much mayhem. We get yeah. to the ball, the floor collapses, we try to jump, we f- epically fail our dexterity um, <laughs> rolls. We fall into another library, which happened to be Vanessa Van Fitz's personal nightroom library. She's all creepy, even though she was really hostile towards us. Um, we leave, get an awful night's sleep, decide to go back and try again to go back to the night room. She invites mm. us in to her room, attacks us with a tomahawk. With a tomahawk? A tomahawk, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have to kill her. Sorry, we decided to kill her. <laughs> um, <laughs> self-defence, surely. It was self-defence, yeah. at which point we have quite a intense role-playing moral discussion about whether we care about Abigail Wright. It wasn't until we were in the cafe having our lovely sandwiches that we just realised that we're scratching the yellow symbol on the table. Mm. And that, at that point, we decided to burn the place down. <laughs> you actually went for the sandwiches before the incident with um, Michelle, but uh, yeah, that's fine, Yeah, you go, but you decide to go back and burn the place down. And while attempting to burn the place down, we sort of partially transported into a play and... Gonzo Nero gets very angry, threatens to punch yep. people. <laughs> they, it's very they, mad. They leave via the only door, and as they leave via the only door, they're surrounded by a burnt-down building, and on the wall are posters with their names saying they will perform this summer in the King in Yellow. Mm-hmm. And that's where we left that sort of London escapade. Yep. And then uh, again, a couple of um, a couple of months passes. You're called up once again, but this time to go to Bibigib, where you met with um, fan favourite Tom Parsnip <laughs> and cast favourite. Um, everyone's, everyone's favourite, Tom favorite, Parsnip, yeah. who kind of briefs you on a mission about um, uh, uh, a John Doe who was uh, killed in a graveyard. And during your investigations, you, you start to learn about. Uh, the coroner, uh, a woman by the name of um, Zimmerman, Dr. Zimmerman. You learnt, she kind of blazed a trail all across town that you, you were following and several cryptic clues that you tried to you tried to track down until eventually uh, you ran into her. When you ran into her, you, you chased her down into um, uh, a funeral home where just before you ran into her, uh, a small child draped in a golden cloth gave you kind of forewarning that there would be some kind of large creature. 
And then when you did meet Henrietta Zimmerman, she was completely transformed into this hulking creature with massive claws and grey, sallow skin and uh, massive legs. Um, Massive legs. (laughs) Oh, hideous massive legs. (laughs) Massive legs. A big fucking mouth with, like, you know, horrible teeth in. She was was a monster woman. Yeah, she was Skeksis. She was a Skeksis. And she was carrying carrying a corpse, and that's when uh, it all clicked for Agent Gonzo that she was uh, attempting to. Now that she changed into this horrible monster, she was attempting to fake her own death to get uh, insurance money, so she could pay for her parents' medical care and to make sure her brother uh, was was okay. But before you before you left to make it uh, to make it believable, Nero said to give him a scratch um, and she accidentally rolled an 8 on a d8 so she <laughs> she really fucked him up and you uh, you called up Parsnip to try and render some medical aid who took you to a, a mysterious Russian man in the suburbs of Birmingham who sewed you up and straight from there um, we get a call from a Violet who happens mm. to be someone quite high up in the in this section Mm-hmm. Uh, she asked us to go check out, or uh, sort out, or clean up the murder of Gerald Citry, who was a, a, a non-active agent um, who'd mm. been killed in his home office. Um, we did that. We just burnt the place down, like we do. Uh, <laughs> we go back to Violet. <laughs> she says, "Quality arsonists. That's what we are. One-trick pony, yeah. really." Uh, oh, well, actually, we drive away. Um, ultimately, as agents, we fucked up. Didn't listen to the to the handler, and uh, he had a minor emotional breakdown. Yeah, uh, we retconned the whole thing and said, "Oh yeah, we're going to take a three month sabbatical." We also <laughs> in that stole them on there. Yeah, well, in that time, you got arrested. Yes, <laughs> I got threatened by Violet for taking um, uh, unnatural or like agency secrets. It was a Citri's notes. It was, yeah, pretty intense stuff as well. Um, she basically said, "Look, here's some guns. Go kill Mike Pellerin. We think that he did it. We think he killed uh, Gerald Citri." We head up to York after speaking to a couple of other agents. Head up to sorry Hull, and um, we get into his house, find Citri's gun, uh, mm. which sort of does place him there for the crime. Some more bad investigations. We don't manage to find any more information, including talking to the harbour master. He was a character, wasn't he? Uh, he was a great character. Um, Anton. <laughs> <laughs> we managed to get into his house, and then we go back into the night rooms. Well, uh, you 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 get into Mike Pellerin's house, and uh, it's transformed into some sort of strange corridor of like a medical facility maybe as mannequins standing all down the corridor and uh, large metal doors that when you looked into um, they carried just a medical gurney with with restraints on and nothing else and at the end of the corridor were two mannequins holding pages of a script and one was an experience that you both had in the night rooms where you found Michael Whitwer attached to a gurney and then another one was um Agent Gonzo talking to a, a Dr. Dallin. That's something that uh, he doesn't remember happening. Which fucked us both up. Yeah. 
And then he went downstairs and found the bookshop. Yes, with Robert Robertson. <laughs> Robert Roberts. Great guy. Uh, yeah, we'll go through the, the bookshop and then, Gonzo, what do you do with the mask? Well, oh, we, we both do, but... <laughs> we come across some nice gas masks and instantly put them on our faces, as any sane person would do. And then mm. just scrape by by the skin of our teeth, not killing each other or going missing. Um, then we just meander through the bookshop until we do come across <clears throat> Pellerin. Uh, and he's just there babbling nonsense, uh, acting erratic. And uh, before we can uh, shoot him, because we can't shoot him, because we're terrible at shooting people, a, a paper cat monster jumps out and just absolutely obliterates him. And um, we finally see Sati and run away. Um, and as we run, we just get out in the night rooms leave the house um, and outside we see Agent Ricardo uh, we ask him about the night rooms who he, he seems confused and he, he just doesn't know what we're on about and then Agent, Gon- uh, Agent Nero finds himself talking about it and then scrolling out the yellow sign and Daniel Rosette leaves and that's where we ended so the brief recap and it ended up being like 15 minutes long <laughs> sorry listener <laughs> sorry Jake just so, we're all, just so we're all on the same page sorry Jake um, <laughs> it's difficult though you know because I know everything um, and we know sure. we know like 2% <laughs> and we played the game <laughs> yeah I want people to be on the same you know I want to be kind of know what's going on sort of anyway 19 long years pass um, so uh, Agent Agent Gonzo, why don't you start? Um, tell us what happens to Agent Gonzo in the in the intervening years. Oh, nineteen years. So, on the way back from hell, Agent Gonzo just just really thinks about his life and the choices that have led him to this ridiculous situation. Uh, thinks about his recent arrest and the impact that's had on his life and you know is this what actually what he wants is this what he wants to do is anything that he's doing what he well, wants to do a... and the strange coincidences of, of him or the strange incident of him being released yep yeah, all of it just just weighs heavy on him and um, mm. he gets a long series of trains back to Brighton <laughs> and uh, when he arrives he just, just has a bit of a bit of a breakdown if I'm honest he just stops going to work he just becomes disillusioned with it all he's just not sure what's going on um, and he just he just takes some time he just luckily he's got quite a good support network back in back in Brighton and he just takes some time off work takes some time off the boards it's just goes you know wanders around goes for long walks and just starts to find himself and he he realizes that he just, you know, he likes teaching, but he doesn't really give a shit about schools or kids politely and things like that. And he's just like, ah, oh, you know, what he does like, and what what he has realized over the last, you know, eight months is he really, he really fucking likes food. So he actually just yes. starts a little passion project, and he he leaves all the all the boards that he was on for the language for the, you know. 
the CD, who knows what's going on. And he's just, he starts up a little blog. And the little blog is just you know, the best Spanish restaurants in Brighton. And he starts blogging. And he starts going out. He starts eating. And he starts laughing again. He starts practicing his karate again. And then he just he just thinks, right, this is it. I'm just going to double down on this. And uh, he, you know, thinks, I'm going to get well. Gets himself some therapy. And he just starts growing his network. Starts growing his blog. Time moves on, he gets married, he gets a little bit fatter, he gets a little bit fit again, and has a couple of kids. And he, uh, he just sat there in his very nice house, just outside of Brighton, big garden, nice car. You know, he's got a good Ooh. good job, he's done okay for himself. He does quite well for himself then, doesn't he's he? He's turned his little, his little food blog into a food network. You know, he really oh. cornered the market before it before it was a thing. And, uh, yeah, before everyone started doing it. Yeah, his, uh, his network's called Una Picante, the spicy one. Um, <laughs> and yeah, now he's got people blogging for him, he's got people in the restaurants, he's expanded to Europe. He's uh, oh. he started a little empire of accent just because he oh. loves chatting online, he loves food. And, uh, he's done well. Yeah. So, so he, he married Samantha, which is the girl that you were with when you were arrested, right? He did marry Samantha. Uh, it was a a strange relationship for a while afterwards, but once he uh, yeah. yeah got back on track, it was okay. And you say three kids. Yeah. What's that? What are the names? He's got Jason, his oldest, who's fifteen. He's got Tommy, who is thirteen. He's a big Power Ranger fan. And then his youngest is actually called Kimberly. So she is six, and uh, she's the little apple of his eye. Okay. Oh yeah, I bet. So, 15, 13, and 6. Yep, that's it. Okay. Yeah, he also had a dog called Turnip and a cat called Cumin. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> I mean, I might have to send you a cease and desist over Turnip because it's you know, quite, <laughs> quite close to another classic uh, Pisces character, my friend. <laughs> I mean, it's mainly because me and... <laughs> I asked Jordan what his favourite vegetable was the other day. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> It's a turnip. No, he had like an app. What was it? Courgette. Courgette. And I was like, uh, I call it a fucking dog courgette. Your favourite vegetable is a courgette. <laughs> yeah. I like courgettes. Are you joking? It's not my favourite, no, but it's the only one I can think of. But I, was, <laughs> I wasn't going to have a, a genuine conversation about what my favourite vegetable was. I, I was put on the spot. Oh, it was a sunny day. I was eating my life lolly. I was like, courgette. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was as well. Well, you, you heard it here first, Pisces fans. Uh, Jordan's a freak. Courgette freak. Jordan loves a courgette. There you go. Jordan loves a courgette. Courgette boy over here. <laughs> um, so, you. In the intervening years, um, there's a couple of uh, different rules. If uh, you know Delta Green, you usually get a, a home scene, which is. Uh, you desperately trying to claw back some sanity or, or learning some new skills or improving on your bonds. Uh, there's a little bit of a different, because it's such a time difference, uh, there's a little bit of a difference in, in this campaign. So uh, you both get to pick a new um, damaged veteran uh, trait, which is different things. Uh, you both picked hard experience. Um, and Ed, you chose, you get plus 10 to uh, five different skills and you chose occult, alert, unarmed, persuade and melee weapons. That's the one. That's the one. You reduce your sanity by five. Yeah. And then the home scenes you chose, I said you could have two. So therapy and back to nature. Yeah. Both um, both trying to claw back sanity, I see. 
Uh, yes, desperately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, for therapy, uh, roll a luck roll, please. Yep, yep, yep. 50-50, straight up. Five. <laughs> nice. Well done. Yeah, boy. Um, it could have been lower, but I'm happy with that. You can regain uh, 1d6 doubled nice. points of sanity damage. So roll a d6 and double it. And add that to you, Sam. Three times two, six. Lovely. Yeah, baby. And then back to nature. As you said, when you got back, you, you were kind of distant and going, going for long walks and stuff. This reduces one bond, other than a bond for Delta Green, by two, um, because everything is doubled in this intervening year. So, uh, usually home scenes, it's one. This is two, as you let other responsibilities lapse. Roll a sand test. Success yep. adds um, 1d6 doubled. Oh, 45 over. 45 over, ooh. Yes. You still get You still get two sanity back. I'm okay with that. But then you have to let one bond uh, down by two. That's fine. I um, know who's know who's getting that. Who's that? Fucking poor Gary. <laughs> poor Gary. Well, you can't you, you can't choose Gary because Gary is going to be destroyed soon. So you you can't <laughs> you can't choose the bond that you know that you know is going to die soon. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Let me have this handler. You know what? Gary it's, is already crossed off. You have to choose another bond. As as time goes on, oh, I think bastard. I would lose as much as we've been through it together. I would lose my bond with Nero. You can't. It has I to can't. be other than a bond for Delta Green. So I, um, is yeah, poor he, Margaret he's, taking um, it then? <laughs> Sorry, mother. All right. Yeah, this reduces yeah. one bond other than a bond for Delta Green. So, ah, yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah. that's my bad. In that case, yeah, uh, I spent so long working and raising my kids, I actually just neglect my mother a little bit. Yep, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, uh, 19 years. Yeah, I mean, um, she's all going, yes. fair play. And you did have to, re- you had to each remove one of your bonds, um, and you chose Gary. And actually, Gary... I'm just going to roll a dice... <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> Six years ago, Gary Gary died of an accidental overdose. Um, That's tough. Which is quite odd because Gary, as you knew him, was never uh, an addict. Hmm. Wow. That is concerning. I think that I think that's it. So, Agent Nero. Yes. What do you do when you uh? Well, he leaves. You leave Hull. And only three months before, he had been, well, attacked by this monster. Uh, yep. Um. So he, yeah, as everyone might remember him crying in the van in the car with, with Violet. He was a broken, broken man. Mm. And I don't think he's fixed, even though he had three months off. So right. um. He's a bit of a shell. So for, for the next sort of two years, he's, um, he again, he also has a bit of a breakdown. Um, he decides to, to seek therapy, um, going back to the same person that he was, went to before. Um, really with a view to try and create a more stable future. This is over the course of like two years. Um, without getting information from or any contact from the section he's 
he thinks, oh, perhaps they've that's us done. We're out. Yeah. So he's really looking towards the future. He's you know a bit older than Gonzo. He needs to really consider his life choices. Mm-hmm. So Nero, um, he he goes to therapy, tries to sort of remain well stable. Um, and work-wise, he struggles for a few years. Um, over time, his injury uh, and the distraction uh, from the past catch up with him. And um, he slowly gets fewer and fewer contracts freelancing. Um, over the phone, Nero and Gonzo do speak, but they do sort of lose touch. And drift apart. Just, yeah, just, life happens. Um, you know, yeah. In 1999, two years moved forward, he manages to get a grant from the newly opened York College. And um, he's realising that he can't be a field operative um, as an archaeologist. So he tries to get some new skills um, to be, be an admin, to work in some sort of administrative capacity. Mm-hmm. His daughter, the next year, 2000, millennial baby. Sarah gives birth to her first child, his first grandchild, Jack. In 2003, Nero changes his job within the university, completely away from archaeology. He's now part of the procurement team. More stable, almost pushing back from his old life. And then he has a bit of a sea change. Four years later, in 2007, he he misses the mystery of the section. And... um, He's strange enough. He he joins the boards. Um, he he's just searching for some sort of meaning in the world. He's like fifty-eight at this point. Um, yeah, getting on. Two thousand ten. He semi-retires from work. Operations of the past. His injuries, physical and psychological, um, are taking his toll on him. And in two thousand fifteen, Nero is sixty-five. He fully retires mm. from work. Yeah. He is an old age pensioner. Yeah. By definition of the word. Well, yeah. yeah. He gets a bus pass. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why we leave okay. him. That's why we, well, that's why we catch up with him. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, not as not as lucky in life as uh, as Agent Gonzo. No. <laughs> but obviously, uh, obviously, a little bit older. Um, Some of us didn't choose to have a dog sword to rip their arm off halfway through. (laughs) (laughs) You also chose hard experience. You chose uh, occult, uh, history, bureaucracy, signals intelligence and computer science, uh, which is reflected in your your reskilling and your your relining of your work. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So plus 10% to all of those. Minus five San. And you remove one bond and you chose your football team, I guess, because you just get older, you can't really keep up with it anymore? Uh, yeah, yeah. Someone yeah. had to go and he prioritised his daughter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so, therapy. Same for you. Can I get a luck roll, please? This is where I fuck up. And this is a long-term thing, eh? Yeah. You see, you see the therapist for a while, don't you? 75 over. <laughs> right eh? So, you gain two sanity. I'll take that. <laughs> And then your other um, your other home scene was a was a reskill, wasn't it? So you wanted to try computer science and law. Yeah. So attempt a test uh, a times five. No, oh, sorry, just a regular test of those two skills. Okay. 
So let's go with computer science first. He's got his Macintosh. 17 under. Sorry, 17 over. Computer science. 17 over. Yeah. So he failed. Cool. Uh, you can add 2d10 percentage points to that skill. Uh, and you have to reduce one bond, other than a bond for delta green, yep. by two. Okay, so that's plus 11. Nice. Okay, and uh, Sarah's gone down. And then repeat the process for um, law. For law, yeah. 65 over. 65 over. Um, I so don't have anything in law. Um, am I right in saying that I automatically get 20? Yes. Yeah, but I reduced yeah. the bond. Sorry, I didn't realise. Yeah, yeah. Didn't realise you had zero in it. So an automatic 20. Yeah. And then reduce the bond. Cool. There we go. That is uh, that is Nero. Lovely. Both done? Yes, sir. Fantastic. Okay. Thank you for listening. For more information on Delta Green, visit delta-green.com. Music and sound effects provided by pixabay.com. Additional music very kindly provided by Cryo Chamber. Please check them out at cryochamber.bandcamp.com. <laughs>